Man, I, I thought for sure he was just going to preach the rest of the message. Absolutely. I appreciate Seath so much. I, I, at this time, uh, I've, I've given two different messages to your young people, but I've got uh, the message from Pastor Fred. For all you young people that are going to be helping with the Ignite Spaghetti Luncheon, I want to dismiss you now and all my youth leaders that are, are, have a spot. For the rest of you, you need to stay in and listen to me. But for, for those... Uh, I know you guys last early church release, um, but remember, I just want to echo what C said. I need all of that pasta. All of this? Are you all sure? Every I'm hungry. You're not going to eat all that. I need that. Oh, yeah, you want to make a bet? Yeah. I'm, I'm... Pardon me, sir. We've got a spaghetti dinner coming up right after church. I need all of that plus more. We've got to feed all of you and plus the Korean church, or Church of Bethlehem. You can't have that. I need that back. Do you understand? It's five bucks a person, 20 bucks for a family. There's dessert, lemonade, water. You could leave tips, which are all doubled, by the way, uh, for me and Paul. Uh, no, no, no. It's all ascension. All goes to ascension. All right, what do you do? Come back! Give me that! Give me that! Oh, there's nothing I love more than when Pastor Fred decides to do something without me being aware of it. <laughs> that was not a part of the agenda, but we'll take it. Uh, well, on that note, I don't know how to follow that act, but uh, I'll, I'll sure try. Um, again, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to be here this morning and, and uh, to give you a word that I believe God gave me, but I want to tell you just a couple things about me. If you want to know me professionally and formally, you could look on our website and, and read about that. But there's a couple things that I always want to share, and that's always to introduce my, my beautiful wife, Kelly. I've been married for over 11 years with, and she still loves me to this day. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I have a one-year-old son named Xavier. Um, great, great young man, uh, growing up too fast. He's one, going on 21. Uh, I believe the other day he said to me, Dad, can you take me to the movies? Uh, my friends are going. And I was like, you're one, son, you're one. You're, you're going to stay home. Um, I ha for those of you that loves dogs, I have three dogs, uh, Max, Zoe, and Chloe. Um, if you don't love dogs, we have special prayer time for you after service. Um, because... Uh, I love, I love animals, but I would like to ask my wife, Kelly, to come up. Uh, I'm so grateful for her. She prays for me and with me every day, and um, every time I preach, I always want her to come up and pray for the sermon because I appreciate her so much. So, Kelly. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for giving us this opportunity to meet with you here today. Lord, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you have for us, Lord, that you would speak through Pastor Dan, and that um, we would just walk away today knowing that you were here, Lord. We thank you so much for always being there for us, for your love and your never-ending mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Kel. There was a woman who uh, traveled a lot for her business, and flying made her very nervous, so she always took her Bible along with her. One time she was sitting next to a man, and when he saw her pull out her Bible, he gave a little chuckle and smirked, but then went back to what he was doing. But after a while, he turned to her and asked, 
Ma'am, do you really believe all the stuff in there? The woman replied, of course I do. It's the Bible. He said, well, what about that guy that was swallowed by the whale? She replied, oh, Jonah? Yes, I believe that. It's in the Bible. He asked, well, how do you suppose he survived all that time in the whale? The guy's kind of, or the woman said, well, I don't really know. I guess when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. And he kind of, again, smirked and said, responded sarcastically to the woman, well, what if he isn't in heaven? And she replies, well, then you can ask him. We all have stories, don't we? Some are good chapters, some are bad chapters. Um, I love stories. I love to travel myself, and it's interesting to me that every time I travel, the stories that I love to repeat and, and to talk about are the ones that are unscripted and unplanned, right? It's always, maybe it starts out as a frustration, but it, you end up laughing about it later, kind of, kind of stories. My good friend Seath, who was just up there, once said to me, some stories are worth repeating. So this morning I have a story. Today I will be sharing a very personal side to my story, and I want to welcome you into my story. But as you listen to this story this morning, of my story, I want you to look at your own story. I want you to remember the chapters of your story, specifically when God was faithful. You see, I've seen God do amazing things in my life. And as I share today, you will see, you will hear the miracles God has done through my story, through my life. And I believe you will be encouraged, but hopefully more than that, you'll be challenged to take this word with you and present it. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 16. This isn't my life verse. But this scripture today is a reminder to me of who I am and what God has done for me, what he is doing today, and what he continues to do in my life. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, we can make our plans. In other words, we all have dreams, we all have ambitions, desires, things we want God to do in us and with us. But in this text it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You see, God has a role as we have a role in our story. But we need to always understand, never forget that we are in the palm of his hand. And no one can snatch us out, John 10 says. I think that... So many of us have stories, but this morning I want to share three stories that have defined my life. Three stories that I've reflected on, but have made me who I am today. The first story was this woman who was expecting her second child. She went to her first checkup, and the test showed that she was pregnant, but showed that there, there may be complications. Um, they didn't find a heartbeat um, when they thought they would find one early, early in the stages. And 
the doctors supposed that she had a miscarriage. And so she sent her home um, to kind of let nature take its course. And then asked her to come back, uh, you know, after that is done, and then they would, they would take care of what they needed to take care of. So they sent her, the doctor sent her home, and the crazy part is, is, is much as she was struggling through this and having the complications, in fact, she was even hemorrhaging during this time, she prayed to God that God would help her, but even more so, she prayed for this child that was in her womb, whether it was alive or, 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 or dead. And God gave her this vision. Um, I, I don't know if it was in a dream or just a vision of, of this man in a lion's den. And the interesting part, we all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It was just this vision of this, this man surrounded by hungry lions that had all the power to devour him. And as hungry as they were, their mouths were shut. And this, this man was protected in the den. This was the vision God gave to her as a promise that this baby would be all right. So she went back to the hospital to get checked, and, and again, they didn't find a heartbeat. So the doctor scheduled what they called back then a therapeutic abortion, which is not the abortion we, we're familiar with today, but a medical procedure I believe they called a DNC today. However, this woman still had symptoms of being pregnant. Tests showed that she was pregnant. So the doctor then postponed the DNC. Said, you know what, we, we, just, we can't do anything until we absolutely know. And She was checked with weekly, and after a few weeks, they did an ultrasound, and they found a, a heartbeat in this child. Very faint, very weak. But it was beating. And though the doctor explained to this woman that she would have a very difficult pregnancy and, and the chances of this child even surviving was, was slim to done, and even if you did give birth, you know, we don't know what, what would happen after that. And the day came for this baby to be born, and the complications continued, and this, and this child was was stuck with, between a rib, cages, a rib, rib cage, and the doctor had to break this child's collarbone to, to even get this baby out. Now, the baby came out alive, and, and the heartbeat was, was there, kind of weak, and this child came out with a blood disease called sepsis. At the time, it was, was rare and kind of unknown and very deadly kind of as, as deadly as AIDS as we know it today. And so the doctors had to schedule a full blood transfusion for this child. Um, now, I don't know if you're familiar with a full blood transfusion. For an adult, it would be very hard, very complicated, very dangerous. But for a newborn baby, the chances of this child even surviving a blood transfusion was, I don't even know if there's a decimal point to put on it. There was a nurse at the hospital that day. Very last day she was supposed to work in this hospital as she was going to be on her way to Oral Roberts University um, to further her education and, and, and so forth as she was a nurse in the medical field. Very godly woman, and, and she, she was on call that day and to kind of look over the babies, and, and she prayed over this child. She laid hands on this child and believed that God would heal this, this child. 
She envisioned a plan for this child. She prayed and believed, really believed that beyond doctors, beyond medical procedures, that God can heal this child. And after she prayed, she went to the doctors and she begged them right before this surgery to do one more test, to check, to see if this sepsis was still there. The doctor said, no, 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 we, we've already taken the tests. We, we, we need to do the surgery quickly because this child's going to die anyways. She says, no, doctor, please, for me, do one more test. So the doctor humored her, and they did this test, and, and they found no sepsis in this child. Baby was healed. 35 years later, I stand here today grateful for the godly nurse that prayed over me. And what's interesting is, is as great as that story, miraculous as that story is, and I don't want to take this lightly because this is kind of sad, but the reason why my heartbeat was so faint and even you couldn't even hear it at the beginning because I was a twin and my, my twin didn't make it, and we found that out afterwards. But 35 years later, I'm grateful that somebody prayed for me, not just that nurse, but my parents believed that God can do greater, bigger, the miraculous. Now this morning, I could say that I have a son. And it's interesting, now that I have a son, I can appreciate it. I, it's worth it to pray for your children. It's a joy as a parent to pray for my son every day. I pray every day that God will protect him and keep him safe and healthy. I pray that he becomes, that God will help him become the greatest man of God in his generation. I believe God has a plan for him. And just like that nurse prayed, just like my parents prayed, they prayed, I really believe that prayer was just like that. That God, I know you have a plan for this child to be a great person of God. Every time I share my story, it gives me a whole new appreciation for my parents. Now, don't tell my parents I said that, all right, because I don't. But I do. Teenagers, I know probably there's not a teenager in, in, this, in this room right now, they're, but I hope your kids, your teenagers, show you your appreciator, tell you. Because I tell them all the time, tell your parents you appreciate them, because you have no idea what they go through. I'm not a worrier, I don't stress, but I trust God that to protect them, but I pray that every day. Parents, let me tell you something. If you are making parental decisions out of fear, then you will end up with fearful children. But if you raise your children with faith, then you will raise faithful children. You see, if you believe in miracles, then you shouldn't be afraid and worry about anything. See, my parents weren't worried yeah, they, they probably struggle with anxiety. That's a very tough situation. But they weren't worried because they believed God was greater than. You see, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The second story that defines me was on Mother's Day of 1984. I'll never forget it. I was four years old. And we woke up like a typical Sunday morning with complete chaos and confusion going on. I don't know how your Sunday mornings are getting your kids ready, but it was just chaos and confusion. And, and that day particularly, I was, 
the world's worst child, disrespecting my mother particularly. On the one day, I should be honoring her. And we went to church, and I went through the service. I went through the day just completely disobeying and dishonoring her specifically. And back then, we had evening services on Mother's Day. I don't know if some of you remember that, but we had evening services on Mother's Day, and I was there. I was there, kneeling down, coloring in my coloring books on the pew while the sermon was going on. Now let me tell you something. If you think that children in services are not paying attention, let me tell you, they are. They may not seem that way, but I was. I remember that message like it was yesterday. This guest speaker came in, and he told me, he told, well, he was preaching to the congregation, but I feel like he was talking to me as a four-year-old child. That God, God's desire was to give me life. In John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, and life to the full or more abundantly. That's what he said. That's what the preacher said. And he grabbed my attention right there. That's God's desire for me. Now, I, I heard about God in Sunday school and my, my kids' classes. But that Sunday evening, something was different. Something was stirring in my heart. But then this preacher said, well, there's a problem. You see, in Romans 3.23, it says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Boy, now he really got my attention. He also said in Romans 6.23 that for the wages of sin is death. Now, as a four-year-old, that kind of scared me. Because I knew that day I was a sinner. Oh, no, I didn't struggle with sexual immorality or drunkenness, but I was disrespectful, I was selfish, I was prideful, I was disobedient to my mother specifically. And I was hurting because of that. But what's interesting in Romans 6, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So there was hope. He says there may be a problem, there, there is a desire, there is a problem, but there's an answer. And the answer is found in John 3.16. Everybody should know it, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's such a familiar text in our world. If you're a sports fan like I am, you see people holding up signs during games. What, what amazes me is... is when you want Packer fans hold John 3.16 up. If Packer fans really believed in that verse, they, they would change their lives and go for another team. They know that they were living in sin. No, 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 no. I knew I was going to get you there. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? Um, but here's the thing, if, if these sports fans, all joking aside, if these sports fans realized and understood the power of that text, that God so loved us, us, even today, before we were even born, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That was what the preacher was saying that night. And I was listening, coloring my books. He says, the answer was also found in Romans 5.8 that says, God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. 
In Ephesians 2, it says that we, that it is by grace we are saved through faith. That it is not of ourselves, it is a gift from God. So now I'm starting to realize as a child, listen, I can't, I can't earn God's love. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't, it's not by me, it's by God. So this pastor, this preacher described the desire, the problem, and the answer. And then he said, and there's a response. 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Romans 10, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but this is what the preacher was saying. I remember it. He was quoting every scripture. And get my attention, and he says that if we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It was at that moment that I realized I needed to respond. Oh, I was young, and though I didn't fully understand everything, I knew that I needed Jesus. So I leaned over to my dad. And I asked him if he would come up with me to the altar and pray. That evening, I gave my life to Jesus. It was a defining moment in my life. I realized that day that salvation is found in no one else. That there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. My father prayed with me. And I accepted Christ in my heart, a defining moment. I realized I needed God. I'm grateful that my parents discipled me as a child. They taught me how to pray. They taught me how to read the Bible and what it, what it meant and how to study. See, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The third defining story in my life was when I was a teenager. I was 16 years old. I was very involved in the youth group at my church. My youth pastor made a big impact on my life. And we went to this youth convention in southern Illinois, a lot like Ascension Convention, almost just like it. And as a teenager, I loved God. I was very close with God, I, and I had a plan for my life. I had a plan for my life. And I went to this youth convention Telling God my plan. My plan was to be an NBA basketball player. What are you laughing for? That wasn't a joke. Um, that's what I wanted to be. Now, obviously, God, God made it obvious that my ability wasn't going to be quite there. But it's like, God. So my prayer during this convention was like, God, help me become this basketball player. Help me to get drafted in the NBA and be a Chicago Bull because Michael Jordan needs help. And it was the last service of that youth convention. And as they were playing music, the, the minister called you young people and said, if you can ask, you should ask God, what do you have planned for my life? You need to come up here right now. And, and I, I ran up to the altar, and I was singing, and I was worshiping God, and I had my hands raised, and I closed my eyes, and I, and I said, God... And I uttered these words, God, what do you have planned for my life? And then in the next breath, I would say, well, this is my plan, God. Make it happen. And God said, no, 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 I have a plan. 
I want you to become a pastor. I said, whoa, 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 time out. Hold the phone. This is the last thing I want to do in my life. I love you, God, but my plan is to be a basketball player, and I will witness to those on the court, off the court, and I will show you your love through the basketball league that I'm in. No, 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 Dan, I have a plan, and I want you to be a pastor. Actually, specifically a youth pastor. I'm going to show you why. He says, I'm going to give you a vision of what I have planned for you. He says, when you open your eyes, you're going to see it. And when I opened my eyes, I saw hundreds of teenagers at the altar. Lifting up their hands, calling on the name of God. God said, Dan, this is what I have for you. You're going to lead young people to God. The interesting part is though it was clear to me in my spirit that it was the voice of God, it couldn't have been anybody else because I had another idea. But I argued with God for two months. Two months I fought with him. I said, God, there's got to be another way. There's got to be, there's, this is not right. I, I am not, I can't be called to be a pastor. So I don't have the ability. It's not what I want to do. It's boring. At least that's what I thought at the time. Two months later, my youth group had a lock-in, an all-nighter on New Year's Eve. And my youth pastor asked me and my friend to do this comedy show during this lock-in at 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, let me tell you, that if you're an upcoming comedy improv uh, wannabe, 2 a.m. is not the greatest slot to have. And so we presented this comedy show, and you know what? I was hysterical. They didn't think so. I, they, I bombed it. I think my mom said I was funny. I thought I was funny. I realized that night that I had to have some kind of gift to communicate to young people, even though these, I was talking with, to my peers at the time. I had this connection with young people. I had this communication ability to talk with young people. I brought nine of my closest friends to this lock-in that night, and it was kind of our annual thing every year. I bring my, my nine close friends, and that morning when the lock-in ended, um, we went to Denny's for breakfast. That was our, our routine. And uh, I'll never forget, my mom told my, my friends, guys, whatever you do, please keep Dan awake on the way home. We had about an hour drive from this where we were to home. And I was up for about 40 hours at that point because me and my friends thought we, we needed a train the night before for the New Year's Eve all-nighter. So we were up all night, two nights in a row. So I was pretty tired. And my mom told my friends, please, whatever you do, keep, keep Dan awake. So we're driving home, and what do you think happens? They all fall asleep. Why not, right? I packed nine of my friends in my Thunderbird. It was completely safe at the time. I don't know why and how we did it, but we did it. And I'm driving home and they all fall asleep. Well, I thought that was a pretty good idea myself. I was exhausted. So I took a snooze myself and I fell asleep at the wheel. Now, I know we just heard Don Piper a few weeks ago, and I, I surely don't want to over-dramatize this story. Uh, it was nothing like he experienced. But I did fall asleep at the wheel. 
And the next thing I remember was my friend punching me across the face from the passenger side, waking me up. That's what I remember. Screaming at me, Dan, wake up. And I opened my eyes and I looked and I'm on the other side of the road, the wrong side of the road, heading towards oncoming traffic on a viaduct bridge. Again, not trying to over-dramatize it, but there was a semi-truck coming. It wasn't a close call. Well, at least it was, it was close enough for me. Truck coming, and I had enough time to swerve over to the right lane and missing and keep on going. Of course, all my friends are awake at this time and yelling at me like, you almost killed us, you're trying to kill us, and we're going to die. And, and I tried to remind them that my mother told you to keep me awake, and you didn't, and you fell asleep. It's your fault, and we're going back and forth. You see, my life flashed before my eyes. It was a wake-up call. No pun intended. It was a wake-up call for me. Well, we got home safely. I went home, and I went into my bedroom, and I fell asleep, and I kind of slept the day away. I was exhausted. And about 9 o'clock that evening, I woke up. It was a kind of eerie moment for me when I woke up because nobody was home, and I have no idea to this day where my family was. I actually thought the rapture happened. I thought I got left behind. They're gone. I really did. That was my mindset, like... What did I do? I love you, God, but, then, but it reminded me, but I've been arguing with God for two months, so I thought I missed that. I thought I did something wrong. So I went back in my bedroom, and I felt the presence of God stronger than ever before. So I started praying, and God gave me a verse. I opened up my Bible that was right next to my bed. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Open the Bible, and it's right what you need. Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I know that was written to Jeremiah, but it was written for us. It was written for me for that moment. As I recalled my story of my birth, the day I gave my life to Christ, through that word, I knew that God, before I was formed in my mother's womb, before all that even happened, he had a plan for my life. So I had to make a choice. Am I going to do things my way or am I going to do things his way? And that night I said, God, not my will, but yours be done. See, I had a great plan for my life, but God had a better plan. See, Philippians 1.6 says that being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God started a work in me, and he's continued to work in me, but I know he's faithful to complete it, and I've chosen to live for him instead of living for me. I want to tell you this morning, God has started a work in our young people here at Christian Life Church, and he is faithful to complete it. See, this is why I need to tell my story. This is why I need to tell you my story. To not only remind you about God's faithfulness, but to also remind me and continue to remind me of God's faithfulness. See, I only have 35 years worth of stories, but in these short years, as I look back time and time again, God has been faithful. Even before I was born, he was faithful. When I was born, he was faithful. When I was four years old, he was faithful. When I was 16, he he was faithful. When I'm 35 today, he was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today, and he will be faithful tomorrow. 
We are in the palm of his hand, and no one can snatch us out of it. See, God is not just faithful to me, but he's going to be faithful to you. I don't know if you've ever, I believe that every one of you, if you haven't realized that, he's been faithful to you already. But he's not done yet. As I said this morning during the, the worship time, listen, God did it all on the cross for us. He paid it all. But he has a plan for each and every one of us. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. See, we may think we know what's best, but God has something better planned. My calling, especially because I've been called here to Christian life, my, my plan through God's voice is to lead young people to God. And I believe our young people have a plan for their life. may not all be pastors, but whatever they do in their life, God has a specific plan for them. And he's going to use them, he's going to work in them, and he's going to work through them. And I've been called, and I've been gifted, not by my own merit, but by God, to lead young people towards their calling. And I will do everything I can to fulfill that. But I know I can't do it on my own, it's only by God. But as you sit here this morning, it's not just young people. I believe there's people in here this morning. You have a story. Well, you say, Dan, I don't have a story like you. You know, when I was born, there wasn't all those fireworks and no complication. I was fine. Maybe some of you did. I don't know. But you said, oh, that's, that's not my story. Maybe, maybe you don't have a story, oh, when you were a child or, or you had this dramatic time where you gave your life to Christ or... Nothing, you know, I, I didn't feel God's calling in my life when I was a teenager. or I didn't go through all that. I didn't have a near-death experience. Listen, I was sharing my story. I'm just giving you an example of an experience that, that has made me who I am. All of us have different stories. But they're defining moments in our life that bring us here today. That we need to realize that God is not done with us yet. I want to conclude with this story. A story of three trees. An olive tree, an oak tree, and a pine tree. Each of these trees had a dream to be used for something great in life. The olive tree dreamed of becoming finely crafted a treasure chest. It wanted to hold gold and silver and precious jewels. One day a woodsman came, and out of all the other trees in the forest, he cut down this olive tree. He was so excited, but over time he realized they weren't making him into this beautiful treasure chest. They were making him into a manger, a feeding trough for dirty, smelly animals. He was so disappointed and he felt worthless. The oak tree had a dream of being used for, to become a huge ship that would carry kings across the ocean. The woodsman came and cut him down, but over time he would realize they weren't making him into a huge ship. They were making him into a small, seemingly insignificant fishing boat. He too felt worthless. The third tree was a pine tree. He lived on the top of this huge mountain. Its dreams was to always stand tall and remind people of God's glory. But in a split second, a bolt of lightning shattered its dreams, and it came tumbling down. The woodsman came and carried it off to an old pile of wood, and all three trees felt worthless, 
rejected. None of their dreams had come to pass. But God had other plans. Many years later, Mary and Joseph couldn't find a place to give birth to their little baby. So they went to a stable where Jesus was born. And they placed him in a manger. It was that olive tree. You see, it wanted to hold precious jewels, but it ended up holding the greatest treasure of all. Jesus grew up one day, and he needed a boat to cross to the other side of the lake. And he didn't choose a big fancy ship. He chose a small fishing boat. It was the oak tree. It wanted to carry kings across the ocean, but God had other plans. He ended up carrying the king of kings. A few years later, the Roman soldiers went over to the pile of wood where the pine tree laid, and they picked up the pine tree, and he thought for sure they were going to cut him into firewood. But instead, they cut him into two distinct pieces that formed the cross. See, Jesus was crucified on that pine tree. And still to this day, that once discarded pine tree is pointing people to God's love and mercy. Friends, your dreams may not have turned out exactly like you have hoped, but keep your head up high. You don't ever lose your value. You don't know what God is up to. He still has a great plan. I had a plan for my life. Even our young people have a plan for their life. And you know what? Listen, these trees, they had plans, but God had something greater. The tree, the one tree was there when Jesus was born to hold him. The boat carried him across the lake as he did his ministry, and the other tree represented the cross. I don't know about you this morning, but I know that God has a better plan. I had that same idea. I thought I had a great plan for my life. But I realized today that when I gave my life to Christ, the Spirit of God took over my life and came in me, and I became a carrier of His presence. If you accepted Christ in your life, you have become a carrier of his presence. See, you're just like that manger or that fishing boat that you've carried him because God is in you. You represent the cross. You may have not died on it, but when you live for Jesus, you represent the cross. And that's the story. That's the message I want to leave here this morning, that through our story, God gets glorified. See, God gave us these stories so that it would affect others' lives. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. What's your story? Are you sharing it? Because we have a world, a very lost world, that needs Jesus. And I, and I do look to our young people that they're going to make a difference. They're going to change this world. I know it. They're going to do far, far more than I could ever do. But every adult in this house this morning, listen, I hope you're not, you're not on cruise control in your spiritual life. Because God, is, God wants to use you in a great way. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that 
you have given us all a story. And I, I, I'm reminded just sharing my story of how great you are. I'm grateful that you didn't just die for me, but you, you created me with a plan. God, for those in this church this morning that may be sitting there, maybe there's, there's a person that, that doesn't know you. God, I pray that something, something I said, triggered their heart. God, that they realize that they need a Savior. God, I pray that they will commit to you today. That they will give their life over to you in Jesus' name. God, for those in the room that may not know their calling, maybe they don't know, they don't know what, what the, the, the plan that you have for them. God, I pray that you will speak to them this morning. That you will reveal yourself to them this morning. God, maybe there's others who are going through that struggle and they need a miracle. God, I'm living proof that you are the God of miracles and that you are far greater, that no, no physician can do what you can do. And God, I pray that if those are here this morning that need a miracle, God, I pray that whatever that may be, God, heal it in the name of Jesus. Redeem that relationship, whatever it may be, God, in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. I'd love to pray with you. If you have, have other, other needs of prayer, I'd love to pray with you as well. But if you're sitting there this morning, just, just say in your own heart to God, God, I, I need you this morning. God, come into my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I'm a sinner. I need you. I can't do this on my own. Just, just tell him. I believe that if you say that prayer, you've been, become born again. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and say, God, I don't know what you have planned in my life, but I need you. I'm, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I'm 45, 55, maybe even 65 here this morning. God, what do you want? What do you have planned for me this week, this month, this year? God, speak to us this morning, I pray, and may we go out these doors walking in the light that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Before we conclude, I want to I pray a blessing over you, but I know we've, we've, we've beat this announcement, you know, so much about this spaghetti luncheon, but will you just remember, you, I don't know if you realize, it's not just about a donation. It's about giving young people an opportunity for God to speak to them. Now, God speaks to our young people every Sunday, every Wednesday night and night. I know that. But I believe this Ascension Convention... God's going to call our young people to do something. Let's get them there. Let's get them. Will you help me do that this morning? Can we get 50 kids there to Ascension Convention? I know I'm reaching high, but nothing's too high for God. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want to give you a blessing. Thank you again for coming this morning. Again, if you need prayer, I would love to pray with you. Our, our leaders would pray, pray with you. But thank you for letting me share my heart this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Father, I pray that you, we will walk in the peace that you have for us as we walk out these doors, as we fellowship with one another. This week, will you protect us and keep us safe? God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for changing our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. In Jesus' name.